0: Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Insider. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly, and this month is the 20th anniversary of the U.S. publication of the first Harry Potter book. We will talk with publisher Arthur Levine, who acquired the book, and Rachel Kuhn, Vice President of Marketing. But first, we're going to be joined by our very own Editorial Director, Jim Millett, who's going to talk to us about the influence Harry Potter has had in publishing. Hello, Jim. Hello, Mark. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. So, you were around when that book uh, first came out, Jim. It's, it's hard to believe. Right? Yes,
1: I was. I'm like I think A lot of other people, nobody really knew what who she was when the first book came out, but then it quickly exploded and uh, steadily over the years became uh, quite the publishing phenomenon. And had you seen that
0: with adult books before, or was this pretty much a phenomenon mm-hmm. that was both in kids' books, young adult, I should say, and adults. I mean, well, this, no, this, well, this well, kind of popularity.
1: You know, I think what you know has been pretty well established is. I mean, there had been some young adult publishing, but Harry Potter established young adults yeah. as you know as a niche to be reckoned with. Yeah, and you know, lots of things have followed in its uh, footsteps. But if Potter wasn't the first, it certainly was the most important.
0: So, how do you think it's influenced publishing? Can we say how it has?
1: Well. The most I think long-lasting impact is the creation of and uh, the entrenchment, if you will, of the young adult segment. And the other thing that you can really remember, and in some ways, how it affected publishing was, especially children's publishing overall, was the year it came out. Children's publishing did very well because it yeah. sold, you know, you know, millions of copies. And children's publishing, while well, it's not a small niche, um, is small enough that when a potter came along, it made a huge, huge difference, and it made a huge difference. I mean, to this day, to Scholastic. I publishing. was
0: going to say, sure, exactly. Whenever, exactly, whenever a book is released, that house had amazing numbers.
1: Right. Yeah, and you know, Scholastic, you know, you know, is you know a billion and a half dollar uh, company. But you know the sales volume was so strong that uh, you know it affected their numbers. It affected their stock price, <laughs> even right. though everybody knew it was coming. Right, it didn't seem to matter. It was like, oh, it came, and the stock would shoot up. And like, oh, they have no Harry Potter this year, the stock will go down. Right, right. Um, you know, it was. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a force
0: to itself. I'm going to be talking next with Rachel and Arthur about the phenomenon and what it was like for them to first, well, for Arthur to first acquire the book and Rachel to uh, market and publicize it. So this should be a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: it should be. Because, you know, another thing, it, it made publishing fun. Well, like you said, fun made lively, made it relevant. I mean, it was, you know, a cultural phenomenon, you know, and that's... That's something that doesn't come along every day, you know. She wasn't quite the Beatles, but, uh, you know.
0: Well, Jim, thank you so much for that recollection, and uh, talk on Harry Potter. Hey, anytime, Mark. I'm Mark Rotella. We'll be right back.
1: Hi, I'm Calvin Reed, co-host of More to Come pw's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing every friday you'll get a chance to hear three generations of comics fans talk about the comics they love from indie comics to superhero comics and manga you'll also get to hear from two veteran comics reporters myself and heidi along with our producer kate and we'll be there to talk about the issues and business trends in today's graphic novel marketplace
0: Today, we have Arthur Levine talking to us. He's the one who acquired and published the series. And we have Rachel Kuhn, VP of Marketing. Hello. So glad you both could join us.
2: Really nice to be here. Thanks, Mark.
0: So this month marks the 20th anniversary of the first publication in the U.S. of Harry Potter. When you first acquired the book, what did you think?
2: Um, you know, it's interesting because I've been asked that question probably... 8 million times. <laughs> so it's sometimes difficult to actually remember what I felt and not remember what I've said the previous 7 million blah, 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 blah times. Um, but I think the truest answer is that when I was first reading it, I was just very excited to be getting the kind of book that I desperately wanted my imprint to be known for. This is the first year of my uh, imprint, Arthur A. Levine Books. And I had been just walking around the Bologna Book Fair, telling people that the kind of books I wanted to publish, like what I was looking for, were books that kids would – love to pieces and would would say later in life that this was their favorite book of their childhood and that they would keep the book throughout their life, you know, the tattered copy on their shelf. And, you know, it sounds like a kind of highfalutin thing, but I said this repeatedly at the Bologna Book Fair uh, that March of 1997. And at one of my meetings, a sub writes director gave me a set of galleys from an unknown author who was very British, but <laughs> which was not exactly a thing that everybody loved at that point in time. But they were really excited about her. And I was excited about this idea of both a wonderful new talent and somebody that was had written a really British story. Because if I was going to buy a, a book... From a, a, an English publisher, I wanted it to be really English. And as I'm reading the book, that is exactly how I felt. And it reminded me of Roald Dahl—that the kind of nasty humor with the Dursleys and how they're these incredibly evil, horrible adults, and how you're immediately so sympathetic to this kid. Who is being uh, abused by them? And I remember really relating to to Harry um, and his his plight. You know, the, which struck me as the plight of maybe every child. Um, uh, certainly, me. You know, the this idea of having the feeling that there's that that the people don't understand what is wonderful about you. And that you feel really bad about that, but that there exists somewhere out there, another world in which you are um, loved and even revered. Um, I think this is this this very, very powerful message that came through uh, amidst everything else that she was she was writing with, like her her skill at plotting her sense of humor, her imagination. Uh, I thought this was a remarkable combination and the the exact thing that I wanted uh, for my imprint.
0: This is something you had wished for just days before, and here you have it in your hand. Did you read it that night? Did you go back to your hotel room and read it?
2: Uh, I read it on the plane. I started reading it on the plane. I'm a very slow reader. Even of a very fast book. (laughs) Um, And I do remember very distinctly reading it on the plane and being totally absorbed. It was probably one of my fastest plane rides ever back from from Bologna.
0: Now, this had been uh, already published in the UK.
2: Wrong. Ah. Absolutely wrong. Not published in the UK yet. This was March of 1997. It wasn't published in the UK until July of 1997. So at this point, we're going on purely the excitement um, of the person who had sold it to me and my own personal perceptions. So I had this. I brought it back and I told my boss Brenda Bowen and my and her boss Gene Fywell um, that I had this book that I was very, very enthusiastic about, and that I wanted to buy. Um, and they said, great, let's do that. Um, and then we brought it to an, an acquisitions meeting. But nobody had read it at that point. This was not about other people sharing the enthusiasm yet. Um, it was about uh, this group trusting me because I'm a new employee with a new imprint um, and they're trusting my judgment. Um, and there was a little bit, I remember, there's a little bit of, you know, anxiety because um, hardcover fiction was not a big selling thing at this point and fantasy wasn't big. And, you know, we, we were in the we were going to be faced with an auction that was clear from the start. Um, and I remember Barbara Marcus saying, well, you know what, we've wanted to have a fantasy series for a while, and we should be confident we have these great, we have the school channels, and if we sell some copies in the trade, and then we'll have another life in the, in the clubs and the fairs, eventually we will earn back our investment. And so we proceeded with the auction on that. And she, Barbara, continued to be incredibly supportive through the auction process. And she just kept saying to me, are you still enthusiastic? You know, as the numbers went up and the other people dropped out, she'd say, are you still enthusiastic? Are you still, do you still love it? Do you love it this much? And it finally came down to me and one other publisher. And she said, well, do you still love it enough? And we went up $5,000. And the other publisher dropped out, and that's when we got it. And then it started to permeate. Once we had got it, other people started to, reading, to read it. Um, and that's when we started to hear from other people. I know at that point, Barbara shared it with her daughter, and I'm sure Rachel read it at that point, and other people, as we were preparing for our sales conference, That's when marketing and sales would start reading it and getting excited about it. That's how it happened.
0: At what point did you feel this book was going to be a series?
2: Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. You've used the word series a number of times, and I know that that's how it appears in the Publishers Weekly column. But we never thought of it as a series. Um, We thought of it as a seven-part story which is different <laughs> conceptually. I mean, you know, practically, perhaps you have to cons- consider it a series, but Joe always knew from 10 years before she gave us the first manuscript that it was a seven part story, that it would follow Harry through his years at Hogwarts. So we, we knew that from the start.
0: What was it like to work with J.K. Rowling?
2: I loved working with Joe uh, from the absolute very start. And especially, I remember very vividly my first conversations with her and the first meeting her. She just seemed like the kind of person I would have been best friends with in high school. Um, She reminded me of the smart... uh, witty women that I always am drawn to. (laughs) And she's just very wry and she has such a great dry sense of humor. She's so quick witted. Um, You know, our early conversations were just a laugh fest, like going, going through changes and talking about alternative ways of phrasing things we just had a, a, a laugh riot, so it was really fun.
3: Arthur, you're bringing me back to over 21 years ago. Um, I recall, you know, hearing from from you the enthusiasm for this book that you just acquired in Bologna. And I have to say, I'm one of the lucky people who got to first read that manuscript as soon as Arthur acquired it. If I only knew then what I knew now, I pr- probably would have held on to that manuscript, those pages, but. Always in marketing, the best way to sell a book is the book itself. And with Harry Potter, we had a gift. I think there were so many themes in it that people relate to, different demographics worldwide. And as I mentioned, to get that book out there, to get people to read it early, was the passion and the mission of Scholastic very early on. We created advanced reading copies to make sure that they got out to the industry folks. And we also started giving them to our peers. You know, Arthur, you had mentioned that people started hearing the buzz about Harry Potter. I started getting friends at other publishing houses asking us, can I read that? Can you please give me a copy? Um, So we made sure to have enough copies to get out there and build the buzz early on. The other thing that's super important when you launch any book is the author. And we made sure to introduce J.K. Rowling to the US as people did not know who she was at that time. So we brought her here over to the States early on before the book got published. She went on five different, um, had five dinners with different accounts throughout the country. And we made sure that people who were already enamored with reading this advanced reading copy got to meet the person who wrote it. Because I think as we all know, um, as a bookseller and a librarian, if you 're passionate about the book and then you meet the person who writes that book and you feel a connection with them you 're even more passionate about introducing it to other people. so we made sure that 's what scholastic did
0: and So how did you do that what was What was the effort like on your part for for both marketing and publicity
3: So as I mentioned, the first thing that we did was we created advanced reading copies at the Book Expo Convention. In May, the first marketing item that we ever had to introduce Harry Potter was a simple sticker that said, Meet Harry Potter. We wanted people to ask us, Who is Harry Potter? And when they did, we gave them an advanced reading copy to read the book early on. You know, as I said, you know, the best way to introduce a book is the book itself. So we made sure to have people start talking about it early on. And then we had J.K. Rowling come here before the book was even published. We brought her throughout the country. She did account um, dinners in New York and in Denver, San Francisco, Chicago, Seattle. We worked very closely with our sales representatives who told us these are the book buyers who are, as we all know, the term big mouths" in the industry. We got their enthusiasm on board before the book even published.
0: Amazing. Now, did you think when you first read that book that this book would change the landscape of the children's book industry?
3: I mean, to be honest, I I think that's a hard statement to to make to the phenomenon that Harry Potter is. I think it's hard to predict any phenomenon. I think what we all felt at Scholastic, that this was a book – that we haven't read like before. You know, You know, my job is to read a book and to see how are we going to sell it to that audience of kids. What was happening with Harry Potter, for all of us who were reading it, we didn't just enjoy reading this book because we thought kids would like it, we liked it ourselves. We wanted to know what is going to be that next story. At the end of the book, we wanted to know, well, What's next for Harry Ron and Hermione? What's going to, ha- you know, what's Dumbledore's role? What's the next thing that's going to happen to them? I want to know more about these characters. So I think that was absolutely new for us and I think new for the entire industry that a book that was initially written for children Adults were loving reading this for their own, themselves, that they themselves thought, wow, this is a book I love and this is a book that I want to know more about. So with that said, as far as the marketing, it was very exciting for me working on it and with the great team at Scholastic that we then had to market in venues where – Many people never marketed before to hit that adult audience, and we jumped on the love of Harry Potter. As soon as we started, what we started to do was getting feedback from people. From you know, we're getting great reviews and getting feedback from librarians and getting feedback from kids. And the first ad that we ever created um, had the great line, "Everyone's wild about Harry," which I think is a was a line that, of course, is very resonant among adults. And we made sure to pull quotes in this ad from, you know, reviewers from kids, and I think which was clever is we made sure to put the ages of the people who actually gave us the quotes. And we ran this throughout the country. So basically, we followed the success in the beginning of Harry Potter. As Harry Potter grew, our advertising campaign grew, and we just started to make it bigger and bigger. And then, of course, when it once it came to Prisoner of Azkaban where we announced the 500,000 first print, we made sure to have a huge campaign going into the publication of that book.
0: And so looking back, what is the book that maybe most resonated with you?
3: I have to say it's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And and I could say that firmly because I read it four times over 21 years. I think if you'd asked me that right away, yes, because it's the first time I read Harry. But truly, I think that JK Rowling so brilliantly spells out um, that so much about life is, is about taking a path and it's about destination and, and it's about moving forward and it's about the people you meet early on who are then stay with you in life. So I, I still, Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone is my favorite. Um, she introduces you to a most magical world but yet with the most familiar characters. I think that's what's so genius about the book is that you relate to these characters, that many things feel completely normal to you, but it's in an incredibly magical setting. And to me, that is like a book that I've never read before and I haven't read one like that since.
0: Well, let's hope the magic keeps going for the next 20 years. Rachel and Arthur, thank you so much for talking to us and for giving us the background on this 20-year anniversary of Harry Potter.
3: Absolutely a pleasure and hope to speak to you on the 25th anniversary in five years, Mark.
0: Sounds great.